Hey, it's Scene World. Welcome to the podcast. I'm AJ. He's Jurg. Yes, hello, everybody. In a minute, we have 3D Realms. Well, well, Jurg and Andrew have 3D Realms. And I'll Slipgate. Be, yes. Two in one. I'll be out on assignment. I'm just here to do the intro. Nice. Before At least that, one job left for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's something for me left to do here. Uh, in a minute. Oh, why well, I said that already. Um, before we do that, though, uh, a little bit of news. Um, this just came through. Actually, I just saw this before. That Sega has halted games of its uh, of a game. Uh, Judgment is the name of the game. It's a Sega game, and they've stopped sales of the game in Japan after an actor that appears in the game was arrested for drug use. Okay. That is not the first time this happened. I mean, there is Sonic 3, and after the allegations of Michael Jackson, they pulled all the music he did for the Mm. game. Okay. And scratched that and had another composer doing the music. So... That's not the first time in history that d- does that. There's I, I a whole s- video on YouTube about that, how Michael Jackson was involved originally in the Sonic 3 music, right. but then it got pulled. I can understand that. That's kind of bad PR. This guy was just an actor in the game, and he got caught with some cocaine. And so they've halted all sales. And not only halted all sales in Japan, um, um, they've also... Um, they've refrained from shipments and digital sales, um, and they've also deleted all the marketing tweets about the game. Wow. For, for the guy, he was arrested for, uh, possessing a small amount of cocaine. And he plays a gangster in, in, in the game. So it actually goes along with the character he's playing in the game almost, you know? Weird. Yeah. I think that's a little bit, a little bit of a heavy, um... A heavy penalty. Uh, personally, I'm for all drug use, but I Seriously? guess <laughs> I guess in Japan um, there's a heavy, heavy. It, it's very, very hard line against drugs, and I guess it carries up to a seven year prison sentence for having any cocaine on you. So, wow. So that's what I got there. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, so in the last interview podcast, we actually spoke with Chris Bateman, or I spoke with Chris Bateman, about his um, RPG called Silk, and this time we will include some video so you can see what it's like to play it. Hmm. Um, As this was an audio interview only, and we spoke about the special kind of graphics that were used it's like looking like a comic huntron kind of adventure mm-hmm. i guess since i explained this now you can see it while i explain it okay um right and i also got some video footage of um um well an unofficial demo of alien escape which is a game that we spoke about um, last intro. That means you escape riddles and stuff by turning the environment while the character is moving. 
Mm -hmm. So you will see footage of that here as well. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So got got we did we get anything anything else? Anything further? That's what I got. That's all wow. I Wow. That's probably the shortest news item bit we ever had. So um don't know. Enjoy the interview, guys. Yeah, yeah. There um, they are. They're over there. I'm gonna jump out and let Andrew come in and take my seat. Yeah. Although he may also redecorate the room a little bit. I don't. I don't know. Uh, uh, while we talk to Frederick Schreiber and Mike Nielsen, see ya in a few seconds. Bye bye. <laughs> there you go. Welcome again to the podcast, guys. Um, Interestingly, we spoke like four years ago already, and there there we spoke about the history of 3D realms. And I mentioned back then that it would be nice to have a successor to Commander Keen, as this was one of the games I played when I was like 10, 11 years old on a comp on a on a PC. And um, I remember you you told me you had such a thing in mind, but you couldn't tell us because it was still a secret. Yeah. And so then you released um, Red Rogers on PC and on other platforms and over a Kickstarter. And now you actually have released on the 26th of February a physical release for the Switch. Exactly. So let's talk about that. I mean, sure. how, how did that happen to be? So the uh, actually a year ago, almost exactly, I think it was the 28th of February last year, we released the, uh, the Xbox uh, Xbox One and the PS4 versions of Red Rogers physically. And uh, that year in between, we we started working on kind of the extra stuff we wanted to add to Red Rogers that we didn't have the opportunity to originally. Stuff like that would, for instance, be co-op, more playable characters, more levels, mini-games, and so on. So we worked together with THQ uh, on a new deal that could uh, could add all this new content, and then we would release that for the Nintendo Switch and a free update for all existing customers for PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. And uh, and yeah, that, that was actually finished up uh, back in October last year. We, we finished that version of, yeah, you have it right there, awesome. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> uh, so that was actually done in October last year, uh, but mainly due to positioning and, and when is a good time to release certain video games, uh, it was pushed to, uh, to February, uh, February this year. So in between October last year and February, we basically just been tweaking and polishing. Uh, we had an extra roughly six months there to, uh, to polish and tweak up the game. And uh, yeah, that, that's basically how it came together. We didn't get to add Commander Keen uh, to the game. We, we there are some uh, some Easter eggs around the game that, that kind of hint towards Commander Keen. You can find a pogo stick in the game somewhere. You can find his his plasma gun. Uh, we really wanted to have Commander Keen in the game, but but the Keen IP is a very uh, it's a very tricky IP to work with, especially since it's partly owned by both Bethesda and the original creator, Tom Hall. And uh, and as far as we know, uh, it's there hasn't been any solution to that. I think also mostly because no one has really dived into the IP and tried making something new. Uh, Commander Keen, regardless of 
how much we like the character and the IP, it's it's not well known amongst regular gamers these days. So so I don't think there's a lot of value in bringing a true Commander Keen game back. But we did our best with what we could without stepping into someone else's territory. So uh, so the Easter eggs is what you're gonna get. Um, on the other hand, we have Duke Nukem in the game. We have Lo Wang, and we have Bombshell, we have Cosmo, so uh, there's a ton of other cool characters. Yeah, so how did you pick those uh, additional characters? Was it just working with the 3D Realms uh, roster, or did you uh, want to expand that further? Well, we, we, we own a few IPs still at 3D Realms. One of them is Cosmo. So obviously we looked into, okay, what do we already own? What can we actually work with at 3D Realms? Uh, back in the day, most of the IP that 3D Realms were developing were, was actually owned by the individual people making the games. So games like Wacky Wheels and Halloween Harry and Blakestone and so on, they're all owned by, by the creators of each of these games. Um, 3D Realms didn't actually own that many IPs back in the day and still to this day, but one of them was Cosmo, which was the very first internally developed game at Apogee besides the the uh, older games that Scott Miller did himself but the first internally developed game at Apogee was was the first Cosmo game actually built on the Commander Keen engine um, so we had Cosmo and uh, we have uh, I would say a, a pretty good relationship with Devolver so we reached out and asked them hey how about Lo Wang and they were instantly on board the the hard one to pull was uh, was Duke Nukem. Uh, that is what 3D Realms is mostly known for. It's a, still a very popular character, and he started his adventures in a side scroller, both Duke Nukem One and Duke Nukem Two. So it would be fantastic to bring him back to his side scrolling roots. Um, we uh, for that we reached out to Gearbox and we just asked them, "Hey, would you guys like to?" To participate in this, we'd love to use the character in, in, as a playable character in this game and so on. And they they were pretty much on board right away, which was a big surprise to us. But we're really happy that that we were allowed to bring him back. And we also had almost, I would say, complete creative freedom of how we'd like to yeah. make him look and design him and, and so on. So it was uh, at least I felt uh, from my perspective that uh, it was a it was actually a, <clears throat> a big pleasure dealing with them, despite our disagreements in the past. Uh, I, I think we can safely say that is all behind us. You know, we're we're now doing business and, you know, best friends, if you have all well, best friends, good friends, <laughs> at least. Absolutely. So we're getting we're getting along really well, is what I would say. So, uh, so yes. It's actually interesting <clears throat> because um, you mentioned we met two years ago at Gamescom and we had an appointment at GHQ Nordic to talk about the progress of Equinox. On the same day, you had an appointment with them making the deal to publish, um, well, to publish Red Watchers. And mm -hmm. I wonder, because Red Watchers is also um, published by THQ Nordic as well as Gianna's sister's Twisted Dreams on the Switch is also published by THQ Nordic. Isn't that kind of um, a conflict of interest to have uh, two com competition games published by the same publisher? Or did well, nobody you, of you mind? Usually, I would say, but you have to keep in mind, THQ has over 100 studios these days. And they have grown so big that they have divided their different IPs into different sub-publishing companies. For instance, right now, the... Red Rogers IP is under Handy Games, which is another publisher owned by uh, 
by THQ. So they're kind of trying to divide these games into different smaller publishing houses uh, to to kind of avoid competing with themselves. But they they will have to do that, unfortunately, since they have grown so large right now. Um, for instance, Deep Silver is also owned by, by THQ. So whenever they release a, a shooter and THQ themselves release a shooter, that might happen at the same time as well. Um, luckily, games are not... I would say when you have games in this price category, uh, you know, smaller indie games, uh, less than $30, uh, I don't think it's that big of an issue. Uh, I think if we had two very similar games, both $60 games, and most, most of the audience for that game would only buy one of them with their, with their budget, I think it's a bigger issue. But a game like Red Rogers is relatively cheap. Uh, a game like uh, Giannis, Giannis Sisters is also relatively cheap. So I think those people who like those kind of games will most likely get both. And if they don't get both at launch, maybe they'll get one at launch, the other the month after. I don't think it matters that much. When you're this big, you, you can't really avoid that. Will it be a limited edition? Because some shops, like Cool Shop, for example, list it as, as a limited edition. But is it a limited edition? Like the Kickstarter original PC release? That's not at least what we've heard. I did see that. I, I think it's a mistake, and I, I reached out to them, but I don't think they, they picked up on it. Uh, I did notice that they put a limited edition on it. I think that's because it's radical edition. They're calling it a limited edition, but that that's uh, I, I think their product team probably misunderstood something. I don't know. Maybe you can clarify that for me, Fred, but I have no idea. I'm pretty sure there's no, uh, there's no limited edition going on here. Yeah, yeah. I, I think <clears throat> CoolJob probably just calls your <clears throat> products like collector's edition, limited edition, like it, it's probably in the same category. Yeah. Um, and this is not a collector's edition. This is <clears throat> this could have been just called Red Rogers from <clears throat> Switch, but we wanted to have some kind of subtitle that would that would hint of all the new content that we added. <clears throat> uh, so we just decided to call it Radical Edition. Uh, that uh, we thought that was pretty fitting. <clears throat> I wonder, did you also um, change other things? I mean, if you look at the critics of the original version, people were cr criticizing that the game wasn't very easy, even in the easy mode, and uh, that there were some, some you know, graphical glitches in it and um, such things. And level design was confusing. Mm -hmm. So did you change anything in the radical um edition about that well the the radical edition has not changed in difficulty um we still have the same difficulty mm -hmm. modes obviously easy mode you have unlimited lives on easy mode so even if it's hard it shouldn't be too hard for most i know both mike's kids and, and my mm -hmm. daughter they you know they're they're very small, very young, uh, and they they play the game just fine. It, so it's not that hard, I'd say. With on easy mode, with unlimited lives, you, know, you can just keep trying until you get to it. You're not really punished for dying. But you have included mini games like yes. a pinball and pogo stick, as you was mentioned earlier, which would be like a spoiler, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, and and I wonder. You had the problem with Bombshell, that was your earlier IP, that people expected Duke Nukem, and it didn't uh, appear to be Duke Nukem, so it didn't get so much favorable reviews. And didn't you fear that the same would happen with uh, Red Rogers, that people expect, like, Commander Keen, and there's no Commander Keen character in it, and then 
that is why people would be disappointed yet again? Not really. The game Red Rogers was never marketed as anything like Commander Keen. Bombshell was actually originally uh, revealed and teased as a Duke Nukem game. And that's a large part of why people uh, knew and thought it was a Duke game because we actually <clears throat> had a teaser page up and running where we teased, okay, there's a new Duke Nukem game coming. And then a few months later, we announced it as, okay, it's, it's Bombshell. It also, during the lawsuit, it was revealed that it was a Duke game that we had like, we changed into a bombshell game. So, so I understand why why people expected that. This case, we never had any association with Commander Keen. Uh, we never marketed the game towards the Commander Keen audience. Actually, the game was uh, kind of a spiritual successor to an old Amiga game called Rough and Tumble. Uh, that's that's the game we really wanted to make. We wanted to make a, make a sequel to Rough and Tumble. Yeah, the Rough and Tumble IP is such an old IP, and it's back from the day where individual people uh, owned the IP, and and nowadays the people who worked on that game originally are not even in the games industry anymore. So no one really knows who owns what and what's happened to the IP. So what we decided to do was, okay, let's let's make a spiritual successor to Rough and Tumble. Let's call it something different, a different uh, you know name, different character, but but rooted in the same base gameplay as Rough and Tumble. Uh, so if you like the old obscure platform called Rough and Tumble for Amiga, you'll like this. Um, we had Easter eggs in there for Commander Keen, but you wouldn't know unless you actually played through the game. So I wouldn't say people were expecting this to be a Commander Keen game. Oh, so that's interesting because uh, Retro Gamer recently ran a feature on uh, Rough and Tumble uh, talking to uh, its creator, Jason Perkins. So, uh, Mike, what would you say were the sort of key features from those 1990s platformers that you wanted to get into rad rogers actually i think i'm not the big game design guy i'm mostly on the business so i think fred can probably talk more about that but but I, I just personally you know i you know i i like those kind of uh, the mechanics that we that we that we got into rad rogers it's a game i've been playing quite a lot since it released and i've been playing it again now on the switch and also during development but but now that it's out and it's it's done you know trying to teach my my kids, uh, both my kids, how to uh, you know how to uh, to platform uh, and at a young age, you know. So uh, so yeah. But, but Fred can probably talk more about the technical terms and and all the all, all the all those things. You know, he being the game uh, the game lead and, and and lead designer on it. So uh. sure, I I think I think the the main gameplay formula in, in Red Rogers is very similar to the the classic Apogee DOS games. What we specifically liked about those compared to the main competitor, Super Mario, Sonic, and so on, was the fact that the levels in a game like uh, Cosmo, Duke Nukem, Duke Nukem 2, uh, Hocus Pocus, and so on and so forth, were often very large levels with many different paths. So, for instance, you would uh, find a door which needed a key, and then you could take another path to find that key and go back, open the door, and so on and so on. So that type of level design um we really liked the mist in modern shooters another game jazz jack rabbit jail of the jungle also used the same same base mechanics uh very different from a game like uh for instance super mario bros or sonic that's the kind of game we wanted to bring back the kind of uh gameplay we wanted to bring back with red rogers we really missed that so so that also meant the levels became very large with many different paths many different options to get to different places uh, we like to call the levels 
kind of like uh, open world in some like each level you can go almost where you want the first few levels are pretty linear but then they open up more and more and then at some point uh, when you reach level, level three for instance you can go either left right up or down from the beginning and just decide okay which sections of the level do i want to deal with first to get next to other, other sections and so on i see so is there is there a lot of hidden areas and interesting features to find then Yes, there, there's a ton. We love secret areas. I think every game we do has tons of secrets, uh, Easter eggs and so on. Red Rogers is one of them. Um, we have the score counter at the end of each level that basically counts how many secrets have you found out of how many, how many enemies have you killed, gems picked up and so on, and you get a score out of that. Um, but the secrets are many, plentiful, and they are very well hidden, some of them at least. There is one secret we haven't seen anyone find yet which is a, a, an homage to Duke Nukem 2 uh, it's actually a secret level we haven't seen anyone find it and it's very hard to find but uh, we're looking forward to, to that <laughs> well that's a task for you Professor Andrew <laughs> <laughs> that's a job uh, um, so um, I mean, recently there were some reviews from the press about the Radical Edition, and many of them wrote like it's a 